I'm World Cup champion Megan Klingenberg. Wondering who you should root for at the FIFA Women's World Cup? I'm hosting a new podcast, my new favorite Futbolista, where I will introduce you to soccer's brightest stars and the causes they are championing. From the 22-year-old American phenom speaking out about student-athlete mental health. I try to just like approach everything with like you don't know what someone's going through. To the U.S. defender who travels to tournaments with her young son. Am I ever going to be able to run for five minutes straight? Check out my new favorite Futbolista wherever you listen to podcasts. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Edit audio. What is your name and where are you from? Cheryl. I live in St. Paul. How long have you been a WNBA fan? I was one of the original people back in the starting of it in Washington, D.C. And we had season tickets for the Mystics for a long time. And then we've been here for five years and we've had season tickets. This is Rebound Revolution, a not-so-basketball podcast bringing you the revolutionary on and off the court happening in the WNBA. From queer baddies to history to ones to watch, Join me, Money, as we get into it all. We are wrapping up this season of Rebound Revolution with all of our favorite moments in this mailbag episode. If this is your first time tuning in, this episode will give you a pretty good idea of what the season was all about. And I hope you hear something that you really like and go back and listen to that episode because we are still hype about it. And if you've been here before, this will give you a little sneak peek into how we all were feeling behind the scenes of each interview. I hope y'all enjoy. What up, y'all? We have made it through an entire season of Rebound Revolution. And today is super special because I'm joined by Rebound Revolution producer Mel. Y'all might remember her from episode zero when she was a rookie to the W, but now a veteran. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I am so glad to be standing, sitting, existing here as uh, the number, maybe like 57 (laughs) W fan in the league. But, you know, I feel like I'm climbing. I was not on the scoreboard at the start. You moved from, what was that, the back bench to the bench bench, (laughs) Yeah, I'm like a I'm a solid bench warmer now in the W. I'll yeah. take that. W fandom, that is. So Mel, can you start us off with just like a overall, like how was your experience this season getting to know the WNBA? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, with you as my God and the God for the listeners, it has been such a beautiful experience. For real, we have laughed, we have cried, we have learned. And so It's just been really nice to be able to learn in such an accessible way and in such a fun way, honestly. And I feel like every episode has brought something so different that it's just been so great to see what the league has to offer from like player side, journalist side, like 
really everyone connected to the league or just basketball. Yeah. So it has. that's been dope. It's been really fun working with y'all this season, whether we know stuff about the league or not. And I think it's been fun with like me, you, mm-hmm. and also producer Mick <laughs> kind of like being here, figuring stuff out and putting the episodes together. It's like really made me watch the game differently. And that's been really fun. That's beautiful. Like, when you say watch the game differently, what does that look like for you? Like, I'm not just rooting for my team anymore. I'm like, mm. what is the dynamics that are playing out? Like, what could the coaches possibly be saying in the huddle that might make it in <laughs> to an out-of-bounds episode? What if, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and really more so soaking in the experience of being in the crowd, not just the action on the court. That's been a big shift. It sounds like it's helped you to be even more present. I feel like you already had so much knowledge, but I'm glad that it's really kind of elevated that for you. And I mean, that's why you're Dr. Money, because you be analyzing, you be, you know, bringing stuff together. So I cannot sound surprised. You know, I try. All right. So this episode, we kind of wanted it to function like a mailbag episode where we're going to take turns sharing some of our favorite moments from this season of recording and maybe even stuff that happened off mic. You want to tell us your first moment that you think of when you think about this season? Oh my gosh, there were truly so many. But I would say the first moment, we got to go back to episode zero, which is kind of our first time together officially on the mic. And just talking about what the inaugural game outside of the U.S. in Canada, where I'm based, shout out Toronto, and what that meant for the W as a league, what that meant for someone like me who's a new fan, and also just what it meant for the city. That was a great moment because I think I had underestimated how Toronto was going to show up. For for the WNBA, I really snoozed and lost on those tickets. I will never <laughs> forget myself. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll go get some tickets. Went back, sold out. So, <laughs> yeah. I hate that it was your loss, but it really was Toronto's gain. <laughs> it was. But you know what? Maybe that means that there's more opportunities for you to get a ticket in the future if we get a W team. Oh, so, yes. you know what? Seems like you're manifesting a little bit. I am. What would be your favorite moment up next? I think also going back to the beginning of the season... As we were kind of dreaming what Rebound Revolution would be, we talked about this, but it felt just, I don't know, so um, affirming and uh, amazing to start the season discussing gender and queerness immediately. (laughs) Like, I feel like we immediately established Rebound Revolution as a basketball podcast that's rooting for trans athletes, that's rooting for Mm -hmm. queer athletes, and getting to talk to Frankie about that. It just felt really special to start the season, like, affirming of trans and genderqueer athletes. Yeah, I agree. When Frankie was speaking about the importance of language and the emphasis of language, it's not necessarily the first time we've heard that in relation to why language is so important. Mm -hmm. But I think the way that Frankie really grounded their experience and talking about what it meant for Lasia in this case and how they were able to really, really support Lasia. Mm -hmm. It was really beautiful. And like you said, a great way to open the season. 
And so some of the conversations that we had behind the scenes was Leisha uses uh, he, she, and they pronouns interchangeably. And Leisha wanted all of those used interchangeably. We'd never seen this done in mainstream media before. And so we're like, do we alternate in mid-sentence every time we use a pronoun? Do we alternate every paragraph? We ended up alternating on the sentence level is what we ended up doing. And we talk about getting top surgery and and he's having to make these choices and considerations and like has all of these questions about how it could impact his career normally when i'm writing about trans athletes and trans people i actually don't talk about their bodies very much Mm -hmm. because i think that trans athletes and trans people in general can become a spectacle for like this curiosity And yet this was an important thing because for an athlete, the body is the site of also their profession and their sport and their athletic ability. And Leisha was literally considering changes that, you know, she would have had to make to her body and how that could have impacted her career. And so I actually like speak directly to the reader and explain like ordinarily it's in bad taste to talk about the bodies of trans athletes. I am doing so because it is relevant to the considerations and questions being raised here. Getting to talk to Frankie about that set us apart. Like, this is a different type of podcast, y'all. This is a different type of sports podcast. <laughs> exactly. This yeah. revolution will be televised, audio-vised, Audio-vised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What you got up next? <laughs> so, honestly, Kendall was the next episode that we went into. And I think Frankie, as you said, really set the tone. But I loved that you and Kendall were able to get into your mutual academic bag. It's so interesting because we see so many times how people unintentionally throughout the season were making reference to things that really kind of became a a through line in so many episodes. So in the case of Kendall talking about the Black queer aesthetic Mm -hmm. and how sports swag and Black culture are inextricably linked, but not Mm -hmm. always given the credit that uh, folks deserve. Mm -hmm. I really appreciated that in this episode with Kendall. A lot of what I think people just attribute to like sports culture or a sports swag is actually a lot of what we see in Black communities, primarily like throughout the U.S. So I think about the ways that Allen Iverson influenced Mm -hmm. it a lot and that kind of culture shift within the NBA to, you know, not be walking in in the suits or the different things like that and to be able to wear a bit more of what people I think would deem like street wear Mm -hmm. that have then really become like iconic type of like fit. So I see that kind of happening in the NBA and then a similar kind of, parallel happening in the WNBA, Mm -hmm. where I think a lot of what's being kind of attributed to just sport swag in general is actually more of like a racialized aesthetic. Mm -hmm. That is then because you got a league that's 80% Black athletes. I think there's kind of a slippage sometimes between what's attributed to a sport and a culture surrounding a sport and then the players that actually make up the majority of the league. I loved talking to Kendall. Something that I am really, I don't know, like aware of a lot is I think folks uh, have this idea of what an academic looks like, who an academic is and like what we do. Mm. And when you're black and queer, it just don't fit that picture. And so I think it's great that like 
we could have that conversation rooted in the WNBA, but also give two very different examples of what two Black folks with a PhD look like. So, yeah, shout out to Kendall. Yes. (laughs) Love that for y'all and love that conversation for us, honestly. So I think, you know, staying with the writing and language wave, uh, (laughs) my next favorite moment of the season has to be when we talked to Annie And Annie shared about the responsibility that reporters have in, like, shaping the public's perception of WNBA players, uh, especially Black players. So I think she was talking specifically about Talia Copper in that episode. But I think, you Mm -hmm. know, it can be applied to a lot of situations, whether it's, like, how folks were reporting on BG last year or why we all love Asia Wilson so much, you know? It's like really important how reporters talk about players. You are a white journalist who writes with such like awareness and fullness of women of color as whole human beings. Uh Can you talk about some strategies or resources that you use to support you to write so like fully about women of color? You know, that's really wild that you say that because I can't even tell you the amount of anxiety I have like every day coming into this job because I'm a white woman every day writing about women of color. Mm -hmm. And that requires so much care and thoughtfulness and every day showing up and being so diligent in what you do, being so mindful Mm -hmm. about like every step of the process, Mm -hmm. everything from like the first word I write to the last word, I'm like, okay, in your hands is the ability to share and impact the way somebody sees Kalia Copper. When it comes to like the steps that I take to doing my job, I do it with a lot of anxiety. I'm like working (laughs) on not, but Uh I think that's just the reality. I think you know, it's okay to be honest about that. Mm-hmm. But I think also is just reminding myself, like, I'm never going to perfectly see Kalia Copper. I'm never going to fully understand every aspect of who she is and what makes her who she is. But mm-hmm. if I just sit and, like, listen, I'm going to see, like, her as as just a human. And what does she make me feel when she's talking? Like, mm-hmm. when someone's telling me a story, I'll think, what are they saying? What are they doing that's making me want to, like, hug my mom or, like, cry, yeah. cry you know? Uh-huh. That, to me, is what I always try and bring out in a story, yes. if that makes sense. That makes total sense to me. And that anxiety is reminding me of like Audre Lorde, like do it scared, you know, yeah. <laughs> like do things scared because I think that anxiety is the flip of care. We shouldn't have to say that thoughtfulness is important, but it's also unfortunately not something that we still can take for granted in this era of coverage, especially when it comes to Black folks, Black queer folks, Black gender nonconforming folks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that thoughtfulness in that understanding of how critical media can be in the way that Black folks are recognized in the league especially was was really nice. And I really enjoyed that conversation. Me too. <laughs> okay, so thinking about kind of coverage and, and language and just the league as a whole, 
I think we got to really give it up to true OG Sue Wicks. Sue Wicks was one of my highlights too. (laughs) Yes. Magical. And that humility that she had despite so much of the legendary things that she had done both on the court and in general as an advocate. And she's an oyster farmer. Like, what (laughs) can Sue not do? (laughs) So do you want to tell us a little bit more about why you love that episode? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I have to say, I was at a game and Sue was sitting courtside and they put her on the Jumbotron. And I was just like, Let them know. <laughs> yes. You know, Sue is a Hall of Famer. Yes. If you name an athlete, it's on Sue's resume. She's a legend. And I just thought it was incredible, like, getting an opportunity to talk to her. But exactly what you said about her humility, the story that stood out to me most was when she talked about her contract being written on a napkin. Like that, you know, wild. We were gagged behind the scenes in that moment. And she said it so casually. Very casually. My first professional basketball contract um, was written on a napkin. So that's where we're starting from. And it was the highest paid player in the world at the time. And the best they could do was write it on a napkin. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I had an agent that did another pass through it, but that was how low women's basketball was at, at that time in a broad level. Of course, we had, you know, we had legends, but there was one or two yeah. and you could rarely see them on television. Yeah. I didn't see a woman play basketball until I was in college. I mean, if you are doing legendary stuff with a napkin behind you, like, (laughs) come on. To to be that Kleenex, (laughs) you know? (laughs) We could only dream of having a napkin as legendary. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so I'm glad we both shared Sue. (laughs) Definitely a highlight Mm -hmm. of the season. I think my next highlight of the season was when we talked to Laura Lewis from All My Relations. Another shout Mm -hmm. out to Canada, Vancouver in the building. (laughs) Yes. I feel like when Laura talked about um, basketball as healing, do you have any like pregame rituals or like superstitions? My ritual that I like to do is just like brushing off that energy. So like just basically like brush off my chest, brush off my shoulders. Like I'm just like, all right, new start. Even if I like mess up during a game or something like that, that I continuously go back to that and I come back to my breathing and I'm just like, all right, new play. That's amazing. I love that. I love that as like a grounding activity too, to just like bring you back to the moment that you're in and not like, you know, staying anxious about what's to come or filled with regret about what just happened. It just like roots you in the moment. Totally. I definitely appreciate it. And it just feels like a little bit of that culture too that like is incorporated mm-hmm. while I play. How so? So like in our culture, like we do things of like theater brushing. Theater is very cleansing. It's cleansing to the body, to the spirit and to the mind, to your heart. 
in our culture, we would take a cedar bow and like brush ourselves down. So like symbolically, I'm like thinking about myself of like, all right, I'm brushing myself down. I'm taking off that energy. I'm renewing myself. I'm taking this moment to like pause and be one with myself and ground myself. In that sense, like basketball for me is also my medicine. So I try and like incorporate these things, but also to like, it's a form of release for me. So in that way I can like, not only stay physically fit, but also to like keep my spirit well-rounded as well. That felt like a life lesson to me. I've just been thinking about that ever since we talked to Laura. Yes, I completely agree. It was like, you could feel that shift in all of our minds in the sense that, yeah, basketball as medicine, that movement, that community as something spiritual. I think about that often, often. And just brushing it off, like the physical movement of removing energy Mm -hmm. from yourself. Mm -hmm. Oh, chills. Yes. Thank you, Laura. Yes. (laughs) For real. For real. (laughs) You know what? There are so many aspects. The W, there are so many aspects to this league and what sports can do for people as Laura really illustrated. But I also think we can't really get into talking about the league if we don't talk about the money. Mm. It's real. I mean, your name is money. (laughs) The league runs on money. What more do you need? Mm -hmm. So Molly was really a great episode for that because it's like, we kind of got to go behind the curtain where we had spent a lot of time talking about the importance for the love of the game the spirituality, and all various aspects. And I think Molly was there to really bring in, like, let's get practical. Let's talk about the dollars and the cents. But also, once again, going back to that humanity of what this means for players and really their legacy, their kind of material survival. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciated this episode for that. What was your experience like? Yeah, I love when people can talk about economics money, capitalism, but not in like a a capitalist way, but just like Mm. this is how money moves under capitalism. I love when people can talk about that in a way that I can understand it because I'm not a I'm not a money person, even though my nickname is money. (laughs) You know, and I think Molly was just so good at that. Like, okay, if we want to grow the league, here's boom 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 of places that I think could be revenue streams, you know? For sure. And I also think, like, there were so many comedy moments in that episode, specifically around, like, get these women the deals. Like, where's the edge control deal? Where's the lash deal? I think it's important for the players to have those authentic partnerships, like, to find a brand that represents their values or something they just enjoy. Like, when Paige Beckers makes a bucket hat deal, like, I'm going to be so excited for that one. (laughs) Skylar Diggins, I will always associate her with the sweatbands, you know, like the oh, like yeah, head. Yeah. And I'm like, why does she not have like a line of headbands or sweatbands? Because I just felt like it was just iconic. But then I think about Diana Taurasi with the bun. I'm a like, signature bun. <laughs> I'm like, where are the Diana Taurasi scrunchies? You know, because that bun don't move. <laughs> You know what? I want to know what hair product she uses to keep it that slick. I feel like I want to know this about everybody. Oh, you know what I was just talking about recently? Um, Angel Reese with LSU and her oh, yeah. eyelashes. What oh. eyelashes does that girl use that they stay on? They stay on. Give us the deal. <laughs> so Jenny was oh, Jenny. 
another amazing episode. I think kind of continuing in this theme of the practical and really the tangible because it was about space making. So what was your favorite part of this episode? Oh my gosh. My favorite part was when Jenny was describing what the sports bra feels like when a game is Mm -hmm. happening. We played uh, Serena Williams last match. Mm -hmm. The day before I was just like, should we show this and like promote it on our socials and stuff? And I'm like, yeah, why not? Let's Let's make a day of it. And if she has another one, great. We'll make another day of it. So we decide to air it and people start to file in. And as the match goes on, people are hearing about it. And so they come to the bra to watch it. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. we got to the point where we were like way past max capacity. And oftentimes we'll cut people off and just be like, okay, wait outside. But it got to the point where I didn't even care. I was like, Mm -hmm. open the door, let everybody in as much as we can. It was cram packed. We left the front door open so that people were out on the tables in front. So people Mm -hmm. on the sidewalks could see. There were people up on the windows, like with their hands like this to watch. (laughs) So it was like absolutely packed. And like we're on a major thoroughfare on Broadway. Mm -hmm. Even the traffic on the street started to slow down because people were congregating in front of the storefront. Yeah. And they're like, what's What's happening there? there? Right. Mm -hmm. I realized that like towards the end of the match, it was getting to be like the end. And so I ran downstairs and I got a couple boxes of tissues because I knew I was going to need them. I was just thinking, who cried first? (laughs) Probably me. So I bring up a couple boxes of tissues just in case, you know, like when Mm -hmm. there was volleying, it was so quiet. Everybody was so intently watching. And then when Mm -hmm. Serena would score a point and like let out like her victory Mm -hmm. yell, the entire bar let out a victory yell. It was like we were there mm-hmm. with her. And then when it did finally get the end and she started to talk about her family and Venus, I mean, it was like oh waterworks up in there. Uh, and like that stuck with me, you know? And I thought to myself, I don't know if there's any other place on the planet, even at the U.S. Open, where this is happening, yeah. where this exact thing is happening. Yeah. That's a really grassroots, organic way to grow the game. But it's because they have that space. Yes. And I think throughout the season, you really talked about the importance of kind of possibility models. That's something that really stuck with me from so much of what you said. And I think the sports bra really acts as a possibility model by being visible and by having people just see that there is an opportunity for a space to gather. And yeah, Jenny paints the picture so well about viscerally what it was like to be in there at such pivotal moments that we're not on mute because this is a bar that is dedicated to celebrating women's sports. I can't wait till the sports bra has locations all over the country, you know? Yes. (laughs) Sports bra Syracuse. Sports, look, sports bra Syracuse would pop. When I tell you people (laughs) are, oh my gosh. So this is kind of one of my off the podcast, off the mic moments. That Mm. was like a highlight this season is... Syracuse has like a a basketball legends mural because this city loves basketball. And Brianna oh. Stewart is on the mural. So there's like a 70-foot painting of Brianna Stewart <laughs> in downtown Syracuse. <laughs> and I just really feel like the sports bra, downtown Syracuse, it would be overflowing after games. I can see it. A 70-foot mural, all that's missing is a bar. Yes. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> 
Thank y'all so much for tuning in to part one of our mailbag episode. That's right, part one. Because we had so many favorite moments that we're going to bring y'all a part two. So stay tuned. Also, we got nominated for a Signal Award in the LGBTQ plus category. So if y'all want to go ahead over and vote, it is a Listener's Choice Award. You can click the link in the show notes to go vote for us. Rebound Revolution is an edit audio original podcast created in collaboration with The Cube. I'm your host, Money McEachern. And this episode was produced by Melissa Houghton, Mick Finnegan, and me. It was edited, mixed, and mastered by Mick Finnegan. Our supervising producer is Anna Deshawn. Our executive producer is Steph Colburn. Thank you to Kathleen Speckert and the whole Edit Audio team.